What's up competitors? It is a new day, it is a new episode, and most importantly, it is a new opportunity for you to get better today. For you to grow as a leader, to grow as a competitor, and to make bigger impacts on your coworkers, on your friends, most importantly, on your family at home. And so today is all about helping you maximize your potential and be a better competitor. Let's go! That's right, competitors, we're back. If you are new to the show, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast, and if you are back for more, I'm excited to see you again as we get to spend some time together. For those new to the show, my name is Jake Thompson. I am the Chief Encouragement Officer here at Compete Everyday, and I'm your your host each and every week here on the show. Today's a fun one as we get to welcome in leadership coach and speaker Jamie Beckler, Jamie is a former college basketball coach. He has been an athletic director. Now he is a leadership trainer and business coach who works with corporations, uh, individuals, and groups to help them maximize their potential and be better leaders. We have a conversation that you're going to find a lot of value in, whether you are running a gym, whether you're running a business, or whether this is your very first job, as we talk about the importance of relationships, of being the person that sets the tone in terms of positivity within your culture and why it all comes down to just being willing to do the one thing, the extra mile, to step up and set the tone for others. We talk about this a lot on this episode, but we've talked about it a lot here on the show, uh, as well as the book that is coming out that I've written uh, later this year, about the seven things competitors do differently to win at work and in life. And for me, one of the most important things competitors do differently is they lead with their life and not their lips. It's easy for us to pull out our phones, post on social media the things we think are cool, the motivational quotes, the pictures that we've posted 50 times for that we want people to like and comment on. It's easy to talk big, to post things and make it look big. But true leadership takes action. It takes stepping out and taking personal responsibility for yourself. It's about leading with your life and everything that you do and not just the things you post about, the things you talk about. And so if you truly want to be a better leader, someone that can make the type of impact that lasts on others, because let's be honest, if you and I were going to have an honest conversation at some point in our life, we're going to think about what is said about us after we're gone. What do people remember us by? What will they talk about us at our funeral? What will they remember us years from now? You know, I I can't look back on my family tree and know who my great, great, great grandfather was. I mean, I can find a name but I won't know much about him. But if you start talking to my grandparents, well, they're going to have stories and they're going to share those stories about how that great, great grandfather made them feel and what he did to impact their life and how he helped change their trajectory for the better or for the worse. See, people don't talk about us after we're gone. We don't have legacies that are worth talking about unless we're investing in others, unless we're helping them, unless we're leading them, unless we're inspiring them. It's the selfish ones of us that are easily forgotten. It's when we do things only for ourselves and we could care less about helping others. And that may trigger some people listening to this. That may cause you to be offended that you're in it for you and that's fine. But if you want to be a winning competitor in life, it's about helping others. Because your legacy is defined by what you do as a leader to inspire, to impact, and to encourage those watching you that you may not even realize it. Those people that you see on a day-to-day basis at the coffee shop, in your office, hell, even in your house, 
your family. So I want to remind you, I want to plant that seed about the importance of a legacy. And it's a big word that we don't normally think about all the time, but when we do, we need to realize that it's influenced and impacted. Our legacies are written by how we make others feel and how we help them. And so as you listen to this conversation today with Jamie Beckler and I, I want you to think about what is one thing I can do this week to add value to someone else's life, to encourage their spirit, to help lift them up and stand out, because that is what leadership is about. It is not about the number of followers you get on Instagram, the number of people you get signed up for your business list, the number of sales you get. True leadership is about the number of followers you create. It's about the type of help you give people so they can go help themselves. It's about not fishing for other people, but teaching them to fish so that they can succeed too. So do that. That's what competitors are about. They lead with their life, not their lips. And so we're going to get into that today's conversation with Jamie Beckler. If you haven't checked out CompeteEveryDay.com, I got to tell you, you better get there. We just dropped a couple of brand new releases, including Outwork Your Talent and Leave No Doubt. Two powerful phrases to remind you going into the fall of things that you need to do as a competitor to stand out to embrace your process, to reach your goals, and to make an impact. you got to outwork your talent. It doesn't matter how talented you are, your effort and your drive is more important. And then leave no doubt. It's a throwback shirt from early 2013, but it's all about dreaming big but living bigger. Leading with your life and not your lips. So think about it, dream about it, but make sure everything you do, the actions stand bigger. So check it out. Use code podcast at competeeveryday.com to get 15% off your order off any purchase item. And now let's welcome to the show leadership expert and good friend, Jamie Beckler. Jamie, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate being on, Jake. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm excited to have this conversation today because you are one of the thought leaders on leadership out there. And I know it's something that our listeners are very in tune with and interested in how they can continue to develop their skills as a competitor and and honestly as a leader to make bigger impacts in their organizations with their coworkers and then most importantly at home. But before we dive into talking full leadership, you have quite the interesting career uh, from coaching to athletic director to now being a speaker and author can you give us just a, a quick overview of your journey and, and what's brought you to really today? Yeah, I, I appreciate you even uh, saying it's interesting. I heard you talk once about how uh, you're the motivational speaker that doesn't have a story of being in jail or being an, uh, a drug abuser or, or whatever. So uh, so I really appreciate you saying it's an interesting story. You know, I, uh, I coached for about 20 years. Uh, the short of it is I coached for 20 years at the college level, college basketball. Uh, I now uh, have authored a couple books. I host uh, Success is a Choice podcast, and uh, I go around and speak and work with professional college, high school sports teams, and in some businesses. But uh, you know, I always wanted to be a, a, a college basketball coach. That was kind of my uh, my dream. Once I figured out that I wasn't going to be a professional basketball player early on, and and I wanted to always help out other people. And uh, I figured that, uh, you know, when, when I was really young or younger, you know, like junior high, ninth grade, that kind of stuff, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I wasn't deep enough to know, hey, I want to be a coach so that I can impact others. It was more, hey, I want to be a coach like the coaches that I liked, the coaches that helped me out, the coaches that show interest in me. So, so it wasn't until later that I kind of took it to another level. And, and once I got into coaching, 
you know, I was blessed to be a head coach at the uh, four year college level at age 27. And, uh, you know, that was, that was an amazing thing. And my goal was always to be a head coach by the age of 32. And so I really smashed that goal. Uh, you know, I was a coach by the age of 27. And in fact, I like to say that I was, uh, I am much better than almost everybody at, at achieving goals because I achieved my goal twice <laughs> because when I was 31, I got resigned they let me go somewhere else. And so I, uh, I got to be a, an assistant coach for a year and uh, uh, kind of rehabilitated my image or learned a little bit. And then by age 32, I was a head coach again. So I achieved my goal twice, I guess. And, uh, you know, but I, what I learned that those first four years of being a head coach really helped propel me to be a better coach later on. And, and more importantly, a better leader, because I, I made so many stinking mistakes those first four years as a coach. And so, uh, you know, I was able to learn those. We were able to, to as, as we developed leadership on our teams and our kids, our, our performance went up. And uh, so we were, I, I saw a direct correlation. And, and then when I got out of coaching, I was able to then go around and help lead leaders and help coach coaches and help them to be able to use some of those same things to develop their people. I love that. And I'm interested because even though you got to achieve your goal twice, you had, you experienced some very unique, I would say, success for someone that's young. Now, we're seeing a lot more of it, I feel like, in the basketball landscape and sports landscape landscape with young coaches kind of stepping in and experiencing success that, I guess, early on, coaches that age, you know, in your 20s, you're not getting those opportunities. What is something that you feel you did really well from the beginning? And what was something that you said as, as you kind of had that that time off before that second goal achievement that you were able to learn and develop that aided you the second time around? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you see, you see a lot more young coaches now getting to be head coaches earlier or not. I don't want to be, you know, old man on the lawn that says pay your dues <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But there was a lot more paying the dues back in the day. Yeah. You know, that makes me sound old too. when I say back in the day, but <laughs> You know, when, when I became a head coach at 27, not a lot of people were doing that. And I had busted my tail, you know, for, for a few years and put myself in a position to do that. You know, my, my first five years of coaching, I made $36,000 total, total in five years of coaching. And two of those, I was married. And so, uh, you know, I really paid my dues, so to speak. But, but part of that was, you know, I thought I knew everything because I paid my dues, I'd worked outworked everybody and I was pretty smart. I thought I knew everything. And, and I thought that, you know, I had the world by its tail and, and, you know, you ask what I did well and what I did poorly. They're actually one in the same or, or very similar is that I was a really good learner. Like I learned a lot. I tried to, to listen to the best people. I tried to learn as much as I could. I tried to read every book. I watched every video, you know, every VHS tape back in the day of every <laughs> clinic. And, and I knew all this stuff because I was constantly learning because I knew leaders are learners. But in the same vein, I also was learning all this stuff. And so once I got my mind set on something, I was like, man, I, I've, I'm an expert at this. I've learned this. I know what I'm doing. And so once I'd kind of gotten my mind set because of that learning, then I wasn't really willing to, to open up my, my uh, mind or broaden my perspective. And, and so some of that really hurt 
my relationships with my players because I was like, I was the coach that, and we see these kind of coaches still, but I was the coach that was the should of should, you know, this is the way it should be. This is, this is what you should do. Um, you know, and, and instead of looking at the reality of the situation, I was, you know, Hey, you should do this. You should want to come to practice. You should want to be committed. You, you know, Hey, you're on scholarship. You should be doing this. And the reality is I didn't have a relationship with the players that was good enough that when I say you should be running through the wall, you know, for this, you should be diving for loose balls that they were willing to do it because they didn't care. They didn't care what I had to say, even though I was right. You know, I, I, I alluded to, and I wish I'd learned this lesson when I was young or I wish it, I'd taken it to heart. But I remember back when I was in high school and I learned, I remembered this back after I got fired amazingly, but I'm walking down the street with my mom and we have to get across the street. And instead of waiting for the crosswalk, like a punk kid, I just try to go out in the street and she grabs my shoulder, pulls me back. She goes, Jamie, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm crossing the street. She goes, you're going to get hit. I'm like, mom, I got this. Pedestrians have the right of way. And she'll, she looked at me and I wish I'd remembered this at my first coaching job, but she said, yeah, and you'll be dead right. And that's what I was my first couple of years of being a head coach is I was dead right. Yes, I was the smartest person in that locker room. Yes, I was the smartest person around me, but I was also dead right. I might've been right, but I wasn't going about it the right way. And so my players weren't following me and I definitely wasn't developing any future leaders. Um, you know, and, and oftentimes it's said that great leaders don't just have great followers. They develop more leaders. And I definitely wasn't developing, developing any leaders because I was the head honcho. I love, I love that story. And it echoes from a coaching perspective, it echoes what a lot of coaches from high school to college and pro have echoed on the show about you can't get to a player's head until you get to their heart. Like they won't work their hardest, do their best, know how much uh, it's going to take until they know how much you care. And, and they heed that advice, which sounds incredibly as well as you've echoed that importance of connection, but also in the corporate workplace. Um, it's very easy to, you know, clock in, clock out, not invest in your team and the relationships of your team, helping them develop their career and their goals and, and you echoing the importance of that relationship, I think is huge for our listeners to have and to take away that you don't want to be, you know, dead right. You want to have that fostered relationship that helps them grow as well. I, I love, I saw a quote that you'd said once on a, a, another podcast about it's important to stop giving team members chances to do better and start teaching them how they can. And I feel like leadership is one of those topics and correct me if, if you have a different experience, but I feel like it's one of those topics where we talk about be better leaders, be better leaders, but we don't necessarily teach people how to be a better leader. Would you say that's right? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's a great, uh, I think that's a great statement. And I was, I was actually at McDonald's the light, the yesterday, the life of a speaker. Sometimes you're on the road and, and, uh, uh, the best Wi-Fi is maybe at a fast food restaurant. So yep. I'm at McDonald's getting my Wi-Fi, having my, my mobile office for like six hours. And one of the kids that worked at the McDonald's was an all state left tackle for a state championship football team, which was pretty impressive. He was a big dude. And I got to talking to him for, for a couple minutes and he was like, 
yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm the best leader on my team. I'm a good leader on my team. I've even gone to a couple of these leadership camps because, you know, I, I just, you know, I always try to, to do what's right. And I said, well, talk to me about that. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, how do you make your teammates better? All this kind of stuff. And, you know, he didn't know the next answers. Like he didn't, he didn't have any answers other than, Hey, I'm just supposed to essentially do the right thing. Well, what, one, what's the right thing, but two, how are you making other people around you better? How are you uplifting and, and making your team better at all times? And, and leadership is, is on one hand, very simple. And on the other hand, it's complicated. You know, it's simple in terms of, I think that it, it is quite frankly, one life influencing another and anyone can be a leader because anyone can influence. But then on the other hand, what does that look like? Yes, it's, hey, be a good person, do what's right. But what does that mean? And then how can we get people to, to get on the same page, to get on the same bus as us going to the same place? And, uh, you know, uh, I, think, I think you were right on with that question. I think it's a good question. I think what happens sometimes is we don't teach, we don't develop. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll say, hey, do what I do. Uh, but yet we're the ones that's yelling at a referee. <laughs> we're the ones that when something happens in a game, we drop our shoulders and get show frustration. Well, then that's what the kids are going to do too. So we have to model it first of all, and I don't think we're always modeling it, but then like you said, we have to teach and develop them, develop our kids. What does that mean? And, and I don't think we do that. And, and as I developed myself as a coach and understood that there was a lack of leadership, you know, LOL, there was a lack of leadership in my program. It was because of me. I was responsible for that. And it wasn't that I wasn't a great leader and didn't know what to do. It was that my kids weren't great leaders and they didn't know what to do because you're not going to be with them in the locker room or the back of the bus all the time. And so you're either preparing them when those fires break out, that drama breaks out, you're either preparing them with a fire extinguisher or with lighter fluid. And a lot of times they're going to have lighter fluid because you haven't prepared them to fight that, those fires they're, they're, going to, uh, they're going to face. That's interesting. And so from a team perspective, especially when you're, I feel like when you're younger in, in high school and even still in college, a lot of times you're still trying to control those emotions. And so unless you have been taught or learned how to control that, how to lead, it can create for locker room situations, locker room dramas, clicks, which obviously kill culture and, and kill teams. You do a lot of work in the corporate space as well. How do you see that same type of, of behavior translating? And, and for someone listening that perhaps manages a team or directs a team or owns, owns a business with a team, things that they need to be aware of along the same lines. Yeah, and, and I think that, that whether you're dealing with the corporate level or, you know, our business, or you're dealing with sports, I think that many of the same principles apply. I think we're faced with almost all the same issues. Now, the dynamics might be slightly different, or the specifics might be different. Um, but we're trying to get people, you know, to be inspired, to be motivated so that they perform the best. And then we want this environment to be good, too. So, you know, whether you're a manager or a coach, you want less headaches and better performance. And so how do you get that? And, and a lot of times I see like in these, in these corporations, and I know, you know, Jake, you do a lot, of, a lot of work with businesses as well. Some of them might even have really good onboarding processes. Like they teach you and they train you to start with. But then once you're in that job and that training period's done, they're not coaching you anymore. 
they're not helping develop you anymore. And, and you're kind of left to your, to your, uh, you know, to your own devices. And, and I think whether it's coaching a basketball team or, or coaching up a business or, or being a manager at a business, if we want to maximize potential and maximize our success, then we've got to continually be developing the people around us so that they can take their game to another level. And that means we need to be coaching them up and we need to be developing more leaders. It's not just, Hey, you know, you need to be here at nine o'clock when work starts. It's that they're going to want to be there at nine o'clock that they're going to want to be there because they see this as a team oriented environment, uh, that the culture is great. And it's not just that we put this great poster up on the wall, of the break room, but that we actually live that out on a day to day basis. And a lot of times managers, they don't facilitate the culture that's on their posters. And it's the same way with coaches. We put these great posters up in a locker room, but we don't live it out day to day. Yeah. And I think what you said rings true. You know, if, if you think about it from a sports standpoint, you, you sometimes run into upperclassmen that don't want to invest in talented younger classmen for fear that they're going to take their job. Like there's that scarcity mindset, but in reality, by investing in your teammate, injuries happen, things happen. If you're not pouring into that player and suddenly someone's hurt and they have to step in and play, they're not going to be ready. In the corporate space, we get that same time. We onboard them, they're ready to go, but then we stop their development. There's no continual coaching and training so that one day when an employee leaves, retires, they are given the managerial position because of where they've been in the company, but they're not prepared for it because they haven't been coached. It's the old phrase of, uh, you know, what if we train our people and invest in our people and they leave? And, and the counterpoint is, what if you don't and they stay? It's the fear that that kills most companies and cultures is the lack of investment in their continual growth for fear that those people are going to take all of that they've learned and run. Yeah, ultimately, we, we should want the best organization possible in our people to be satisfied and, and be the best people that they can be as well. And, and I know your, you know your slogan and your company is compete every day, but you can compete every day to be the best version of yourself. It doesn't have to be compete every day against the person across the hall so that, so that you look better than them. It doesn't have to be that you blow someone else's candle out to make your light shine. It can be that you're mutually helping each other be better. And, and you mentioned, you know, injuries in sports sometimes. And, and we see this oftentimes, you know, a Clemson last year in football, you know, the quarterback gets benched. He's upset. He decides to transfer. Well, that very next week, the quarterback got hurt. So if he hadn't transferred or had a bad attitude about that, he would have gotten a chance to play again. And, and that doesn't mean that he would have gotten to play the rest of the season, because the freshman that took over was, was a stud, but you never know when your chance is going to come. And I know you wrote about Jalen Hurts, uh, the Alabama quarterback that, that led him to a national title, but then was benched for a season essentially. And, and he, uh, he had a, you know, Alabama was struggling this past year in the SEC championship game. And so they brought Jalen Hurts in. And if Jalen Hurts wasn't prepared, he wouldn't have been able to lead them to an SEC championship, but he was prepared. Ohio State a few years ago, they, they won a national championship with their third string quarterback. So you always have to be prepared because number one, you selfishly, you never know when your opportunity is going to come. But number two, by being prepared, you're going to help that person, that counterpart be better, which ultimately helps your team be better. And that's really what it's all about when it's a team sport. 
and, and almost all of us are involved with a team in, in some aspect, even at a company. You know, you don't think you're involved with a team. Well, be a salesman that has the billing people send the wrong bill or irritate a customer. You may lose a sale and it wasn't your fault. But you never took time to really become a team with the billing department. And, and all of a sudden, that cost you a sale. So ultimately, we're, we're very responsible for building a culture that, that is conducive to improvement and helping and making each other better. And I know this is a ton of where your focus and work is with organizations and, and with people potentially listening, uh, ears perking up of, of things that can be done in their company. I've had a handful of conversations with some guys and, and girls, honestly, in sales that have had similar experiences. They've been tasked with this. They've brought in the new clients. They pass the client off. And then all of a sudden the trust starts deteriorating within a company because you've done all the work to bring in the prospect, you've signed the client. And then once the client is, is passed to another part of the company, the balls drop somewhere, communication, lack of responsibility, wherever the case may be. Many times those are things outside of our control. And, and we talk about competing against ourselves and focusing on our attitude, our actions and, and our um, choices in those moments because we control those. However, some of those situations like that, when you're part of a culture that is honestly struggling, uh, you feel like you're one person and you can't do much to change the ship or the direction of the ship. What are things that you try to encourage people if they're in those situations to start doing themselves that they 100% control to start influencing the culture, even if they feel like they're just trying to pull water out of a boat with a, a plastic <laughs> styrofoam or a styrofoam cup? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, that, that is, that happens all the time. And unfortunately, I don't have a magic wand or a magic answer other than, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, let it start with you. And I know those are cliche phrases, but really, if, if you think that, how, how many times do we, are we around a person that complains about something and we're like, wait a minute, but you don't do this in your life either. <laughs> we're complaining about it or that person's complaining about it. Let that change start with you and then be persistent and patient to see the results of that change, of paying it forward, of, of doing the right thing. You know, oftentimes we'll be like, hey, well, I did this right. You know, I, I was nice to this person, but they never, they never been nice to me. And it was like, well, how many times did you do this thing for them? And they're like, well, just two days. <laughs> okay, well, you know, give it a little bit more time, you know, because it takes a while for new habits to be established. So, you know, be the first one to smile. You know, be the reason someone smiles today. Be the first one to smile to someone. Be the first one to say hi. Be the one that brings in the donuts to the break room. Be the one that picks up, you know, if you're a coach, pick up that mop or pick up that, that uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the broom. You know, be the one that'll sweep. Be the one that'll pick up the cones after practice if you're a player. You know, start doing the things that are little that starts to change that culture. That's a, that's a culture of helping each other out. Um, be the person that greets people with, with a kind word, um, you know, encourage the people over at billing, encourage that new, uh, that new salesperson or that new team member that you have pick out something that you think you can do that you can control. And now you can't control someone else's attitude about that. And you can't control how they react to that, but it's awfully hard to be negative when there's kindness involved. 
And so that, you know, you start smiling a little bit more, people are going to start smiling a little bit more as well. But I guarantee you, if you're at the proverbial water cooler at the break room and you're complaining, that's going to lead to more complaining and not solutions being, being given. Um, so, you know, start being a little bit more positive and, and not the positivity of, you know, you're, you're the cheerleader chanting that you can win the game when you're down by 20 with one minute to go. You know, that's not happening. But the positivity of, hey, we can do this. Hey, we, you were hired for a reason. Or, hey, I know you can do this in this game because I saw you do it Tuesday at practice. So it's positivity with rationale behind it. And then eventually you're going to be a solution-focused company or a solution-focused uh, organization as opposed to a problem-fixated organization. I love that. I love that. Complaining isn't going to get you any closer to changing the culture, but but action and, and changing your perspective and the actions you take every day will. Jamie, you've got a number of books, ebooks, you've got a ton of great content online. Where can people get best connected with you? Uh, grab one of your books, Building Champions or the Leadership Playbook, or just follow along to see more about the work that you're doing with organizations. Yeah. Uh, one of the best places that they can go is just success is a choice podcast.com. And, uh, there they can find out all about our books that we have, our eBooks, uh, my speaking, my blog posts, but they can also see we've had over a hundred. Uh, I think it's up to like at, at the time of this recording, 122 episodes of our podcast in, uh, we interview various people from all different uh, walks of life, you know, whether they're entertainers, coaches, uh, politicians, business people, and uh, we just uh, get them to share their successes and failures. But that's successisachoicepodcast.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show this week, uh, sharing your wisdom on leadership and then helping our listeners take action to be better listeners or better leaders, excuse me, and competitors in their lives. And thanks, Jake. I appreciate it and keep up the good work you're doing. Thanks again, competitors, for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. If you haven't left us a quick rating and review yet on the show, I want to ask you to do that so other competitors can find us and add us to their weekly playlist so that they can show up as better leaders at work, at home, and in life. As always, to get connected to the show, check out CompeteEveryday.com where we help you be the type of leader you were created to be. Until next week, keep competing every day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Every Day Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.